0: just in time for worship. It's a picture of worship. Somebody's real grateful that God has been involved in their life and they can't do anything but just lift their hands to God and say, Lord, I love you. You took care of me, you cared for me this week."
1: Somebody else
0: just realizes in a very, very fresh way, God's answering prayer and they're humbled by the awesomeness of God and they can't do anything but bow. Somebody's texting, I guess he's multi uh, multi-talented. This girl is doing her nails, but she's singing. So I guess she gets a half score for that. I'm not sure what this gal's doing. She's a little uh, troubled by the whole deal, and he's trying to worship, but he can't help but falling asleep. He's lost his focus. And here's what we're going to learn about worship today. Worship is more than singing a song. Worship is an encounter with the presence of God. Let me say it again. Worship is more than singing a song. Worship is an opportunity to encounter the presence of God. And God deserves our focus in worship. Hey, you can do your nails at home. You can multitask later. God deserves the focus of his people when they've come to declare simply that he is worthy of my praise. Come on, give him a big hand. These kids did a great job. Thanks. Well, look in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 95. Psalm 95, and I'm starting a new series today called Encounter. Can you say Encounter? And it's simply a series, basically, that that talks about the presence of God. And particularly, it's going to help us see that worship is an opportunity or a time to encounter the presence of God. Now, that may be new to you. The church I was raised in, my childhood, I didn't know that. I just thought when you came to church, you sang some songs, and then they talked about the Bible, and then you tried to live a pretty decent life. But it's more than that. Worship is a time where God can become real. Worship is a time when, whether it's your problems that you bring to God, that somehow you can do in exchange. You can leave a big problem with a bigger God and walk away with peace. Worship is a time when you can express to the Lord your gratitude and your thankfulness for who He is and for what He's done. How many know He's worthy of our praise? And I want to explore it with you today because I'm convinced that there's perhaps no better time, no more viable option for us to draw close to God and experience the reality of God's presence than when we worship. We're going to explore it together. Psalm 95 is where we'll start. It says, "Oh, come and let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And look at verse 2. This kind of contextualizes the message. Let us come into His presence. Can you say that with me? Let us come into His presence. That is literally this, the awesome God that yet you can't visibly see with your eyes, yet you can experience Him. Didn't Jesus tell us that true worshipers would what? Worship God in in spirit and in truth. So somehow there can be a connection that's made with God. Come into His presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. And now he's extolling God. Verse 3, the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. It's a positioning statement. It's recognizing that God is the supreme being, that he is my Lord. And notice verse 4, in his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains. In other words, the deepest part of the ocean to the highest tip of the mountains, these are in the hands of God. Well, how many know worship in its most basic definition and sense is our reverence and our adoration to God because He is the most important being or the most important person there ever is. He's most important to me. He is the most important, whether I acknowledge it or not, He is the one that is most worthy of the adoration of people. In uh, verse 5, the sea is His. He made the sea. His hands formed the dry land. Look at verse 6 again, the invitation. O come and let us what? Worship and bow down in other words literally that you would bow your knee or perhaps even might lay on your face before God I don't know if you've ever done that or, or felt it but I'll tell you I am not just a mind that worships God with information I am body, soul and spirit and there's something happens when I allow my body to to enter into my expression of worship when I kneel before God, yesterday I was at uh, this prayer called The Response. It was a nationwide call or gathering particularly in Texas to pray. Uh, and it was a live telecast from, uh, from Reliance Stadium in Houston. They say over 30,000 there, uh, over 1,300 churches that piped it in like we did. I planned to stay for a couple hours because of church last night. I got here at 10 and I didn't leave till 4, and I didn't want to leave then. I'm telling you, I was captured by the presence of God I just didn't know from a screen that you could just somehow make a connection. And I found myself throughout the day, all I could do was just lay on my face before God. And you might think, well, don't you know the floor is dirty? Yeah, but, 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 but it's something in me. The same thing, if you read the book of Revelation, John wrote that book of Revelation three times when he was encountering God. He encountered angels and Jesus was somehow appearing to him in a vision. Three times it said he fell on his face before God. So there's something about worship that, that needs a container. If it's joy, it needs a hand that would clap. It might even need a dance, as David did. Uh, if, if If it's adoration, if it's humility. See, when I bow before someone, I'm recognizing their greatness. They're the superior, and I'm inferior. They're independent. I'm dependent. They're the one that sets the rules and the boundaries. I'm the one that responds to it. So this is what he's saying. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we're the people of His pasture. Now, think of these words, singing, thanksgiving, joyful noises, songs of praise, bowing, kneeling, all done with one purpose, to glorify the God of heaven. To recognize and to tell him that I can't make another step without you. To tell him that the very breath, the very oxygen I need to breathe is from your hands. The food you give me, the rest you give me, the fact that you allow me to live is all from you. And all I can do is make make a joyful noise, make a sound, to bow, to kneel. It is an act of worship. And according to this second verse there, it is our way to come into the presence of God. Now I'm going to talk a bit as we begin this series called Encounter. I'm going to talk a lot about the presence of God, the reality of God. And I want you to picture this. There's a term that we'll speak about in a minute. It's a theological term called uh, omnipresence, which simply means God is everywhere all the time. Now, that's just bigger than my mind can lay hold of. But I want you to think of this, that the, the, the omnipresence of God is like a, a present. My, my wife uh, had a big birthday this week, and of course, we got a birthday present, and Friday night we're home with the kids, and there's this big box, and it's got yellow paper and a big bow on it. Well, how many know that wrapping paper, as thin and sheer as it is, is hiding what's there? And it 's almost like the omnipresence of God is like has this little this thin wrapping paper around it, and, and God is everywhere, but you can 't see him, you can 't touch him He 's somewhere surrounding the miracle of birth he 's somewhere surrounding the fact that the universe is expanding at the speed of light, and God is still there. His presence is there. but when you peel away the wrapping paper, guess what you can see what 's there. you can experience you can say, oh no it's a whatever the case was. We got her little those fancy coffee pots and She's a coffee drinker. But anyway, that's kind of what she wanted, and it was a a big deal. But but when she wrapped it, she saw what it was. And and I suggest to you that when we talk about the presence of God, you can experience the reality of God. When you were saved as a Christian, when you came to Christ, His presence is what captured and touched your heart. Think of how many times you might have come to church and as you came in burdened and troubled and as you had this divine interchange where you lifted your worship to God, it's like your problems somehow became smaller and God became bigger. You encountered the presence of God. Uh, Sick people, when they encounter the presence of God, can be healed. I'm telling you, lives can be changed when that God that's hiding, the omnipresent God that's hiding behind the wrapping paper, somehow when people take the paper away or, or God pushes himself through... So, go with me this morning as we look through the Bible, and uh, let's, let's explore this. Psalm 140 will be our next scripture. Worship in the presence of God. Now, let's kind of look a moment at this word, omnipresence and manifest presence. Omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. Let's kind of, big picture. When we look at the Bible, theologians describe God with several big words. And even the Bible itself talks about the fact that God is eternal, which means God had no beginning and God had no end. Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, it didn't say God, it didn't say there was, there was a beginning of God. It says, when everything we know and see began, God was already there. Now, I can't get my hands around that. I can't, I can't grasp that because I'm not, I'm not eternal. I'm finite. But yet, the Bible depicts in Jesus, when he was we're talking to the Pharisees and they said, Who are you? And he basically said, I am. And they picked up rocks to stone him because they realized he was saying, I'm eternal. I'm not. I, I'm not just the one who is. I am. I was and am and will be the eternal God. Well, He's eternal. He's omniscient, which means He's He knows everything. We saw this in Jesus when He talked to the woman at the well. Your Bible reading this week. He asked that. He told that woman she'd had five husbands, and the guy you're with now, he's not your husband. Well, that's not because he read it on Facebook. You know, it's not because somebody sent Jesus a text message, you know, or he had a little bug in his ear and somebody interviewed the crowd. No, he knew because he had this sense of omniscience, all-knowing. How many know God knows everything about the 7 billion people on the planet? He knows everything about you. And I want to tell you, friend, he still loves you. He knows the details of you. You can be as intimate with God as you want to. And it's almost like it's just you and God. Well, guess what? There's seven billion of us guys like you. And God knows all about us. He's, he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. It simply means there's, that the, God is, the, is, as we see, the creator of the universe. And think about this. Every time they invent a more powerful microscope or a more powerful telescope, they see more and more. They never reach the end. And it's like the knowledge of God, is, just, is, is, is the power of God is so incredible. When he spoke and he began to create, and the universe and the stars were created, they tell us today that our universe, one of millions or billions of universes, but it's all expanding at the speed of light. And it all began when God said, let there be light. Now think about that. It's incredible. Thousands of years ago, when God spoke the worlds into existence, it's still going on. But here's the word we want to focus on, this omnipresence. He is everywhere at the same time. So my question to you is this. Is he hiding? Does he intend to stay hidden behind this wrapping paper? Or does God want to reveal himself to people? Now, when I say God reveals himself, I don't mean that it's going to be, you know, he's going to show up on this pulpit and he's going to stand here one day. You know, the Bible tells us that no man has seen God face to face. One day we will. But I mean his presence, or better understood, the presence of the Holy Spirit. When God, somehow, the omnipresence become manifest in a person's life. When I came to salvation, I had heard about God. I would even pray to God, but he was a faraway God. When I received Christ as my personal Savior, I want you to think about that word, a personal Savior, That was the difference between my early days and my Christian days when I began to know Him. And I will suggest to you that the Bible teaches that your knowledge of God is not just when you got saved, but you walk with God. There was an old song we used to sing in my little Methodist church. I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses, and He, what? he walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. Now, you would think that people that are dispensationalists that don't believe God still has his interaction with man wouldn't sing a song like that. But yet, we just loved it because it was a picture of God being personal and God invading our lives. I want to tell you, friends, God is real. Have you ever been reading your Bible and you could have read the same passage, you know, ten Ten times. But it's almost like when you read it, it was for the first time. And it was almost like it was a spotlight on it, and like God was speaking to you. And you had to write it down or or memorize it. It was more than just something you thought was interesting, but it's like God was communicating with you. Is it? Can we just agree that God is revealing himself? God is speaking to us? And all this is under this umbrella of the presence of God in our life. Well, the focus this morning and this morning's message is that worship is a door into God's presence. Listen to Scripture, Psalm one forty, verse thirteen: The upright shall dwell. In your it's on the screen. This is not very hard to do. You can read it. You know when I do that, the upright will dwell in your presence. The Psalm one hundred says, "Come into his presence with singing." So this omnipresent God that's everywhere all the time somehow can be engaged by people with singing. Uh, Psalm ninety five: Let us come into his presence with now thanksgiving. Psalm 31, you hide them in the shelter of your presence. In other words, when you're in trouble, when there's fear in your life, when when there's anxiety, when there's worry, that you can draw near to God. And somehow, it's just like when you were a child, your dad or your mom taking you up and holding you in their arms. There is a feeling of the peace of God that can cause that worry, anxiety, fear, and trepidation to just kind of melt. Or if nothing else, it gives you something to hold on to. Now, friends, the Bible tells us that God is like that, that He is very personal, that He is very real. But I'm not talking about mystical. I'm not talking about something that you take an LSD trip to kind of find God out there when you enter into a different reality. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you as spirit, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, and you somehow connecting and communing to the reality of God. Now, shouldn't we have an expectation that when we come to church, we meet with Him that we're not just singing songs about Him, but as we sing songs to Him, that our Father might somehow, we might sense in a spiritual way, His presence and His embrace. Listen, the Bible tells us it is possible. And worship is a door into this manifest presence of God. Look at First Chronicles 16. Give to the Lord the glory He deserves. Now, this is an interesting message. I'm going to try to make it practical, but these terms are pretty kind of abstract. What does it mean to give God the glory He deserves? What in the world is glory? Even when you talk about worship. Now, I can see someone clapping or someone singing, but how many know the girl doing her fingernails in the skit? She was singing, but she was not worshiping. I mean, sometimes when you talk about the presence of God, that's, that's kind of out there. It's, it's real, but I can't really get my hands around it. I'm, I'm going to try to make it a, a, a little more personal and, and, and practical Give the Lord the glory that he deserves. Now, bring your offering and come into his presence. The New Testament tells us that our praise, a sacrifice of praise that we can bring. It could be a material offering. But you bring an offering and you come into the presence of God. You don't just go to church. You go to worship him. See, that's when the... And you can tell when you talk to someone that knows about God and someone that knows him. People can tell you a lot about God, about the Bible, but they're talking in distant terms. They'll talk about the man upstairs. They'll talk about the God who's far off. But when you talk about someone who knows him, they're talking in the language of intimacy. They're talking about their father. They're talking about this God who walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I'm his own. It's not weird. It's not spooky. But we've all seen weird and spooky. And everybody "Yeah." So, So somewhere beyond weird and spooky is something that's real that it, people in the Bible experienced it multi, multiple times. Worship the Lord in His holy splendor. So give Him glory, bring your offering, come into His presence and worship Him. Put the cell phone down, put the nail file down, do your best to focus. I, I have a little ADD in me sometimes, I think. I just I mean, I mean can go to church and, and, and I look around and I say, this light bulbs out and where is that person? And they've got new glasses. and, and, and You know what I'm talking about? Anyone say, I've been thinking about lunch already today? Okay, two honest people, about probably 50, 75 liars in the room this morning. But, 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 you know, you don't need to be doing your day timer, you know, or planning, you know, on your Blackberry or whatever. You don't need to be doing that when you are worship. Worship is the time to put all that aside, put everyone else aside. I shut my eyes a lot in worship. And the reason is not because, you know, I'm trying to get a trip out of this place somewhere. I want to get rid of the distractions. I'm just telling you, I'm easily distracted, and I want to do the best that I can to be able to say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, you're the most important person in my life. And if you never did another thing, come on, you're worthy of my praise this morning. Give him a big hand today. He's an awesome God, and he's amazing. I had lunch with a friend recently, and he just started coming to church, and I asked the question, I said, well, why did you why did come to church on the rock? And his answer amazed me. He said, you know, I've just been coming to church these last few weeks, and every time I come, I just cry. I've never done that before in church. But it just seems like I I just sense the presence of God. I mean, no, that's a good thing. You might look at him and say, oh, his wife beat him up. He's having a bad day today. Or, you know, he's crying because he lost money in the stock market. When you don't have a clue. He somehow, as a spirit being, is communicating to God and God has opened the window into his soul and his love is capturing his heart. I had this lady, it was probably five or six years ago, she cornered me in the kitchen. This is a true story now. She looked at me real serious, you know, kind of cynical look on your face and she said, are you putting subliminal messages behind those songs? I feel something when I come in this church and you, there's got to be something. Are you putting something in the air or is it the subliminal messages? it's the presence of God and it's not because what we have what no other church have has but it could be because we are really trying to put our focus on him come on not on who's at church or who you're trying to impress or who you're gonna do the business deal with come on or who you're gonna date or who you're gonna potentially marry People come to church for a lot of reasons. I'm telling you, when you drive on this parking lot, when you walk through these doors, check out with everybody else. You can hang out with them after church. Put your focus on Him. And that's what worship is to be about. And, and I, you know, I feel for you that are, that, are, that are new and are coming into, I don't know, let's just call it a church where it freely expresses worship. I was raised in a very small conservative Methodist church and I am grateful for my heritage I I learned about Jesus John 3 16 I learned to respect the Bible but that was pretty much it I was not a Christian but I remember the first time I came into it and it was an Assembly of God church in Alaska when I was in the Navy I'm telling you what I saw these I had gone to the Unitarian Chapel and the Catholic Church and it it was just not happening there on the base so I found this little chapel annex is where they stuck these Assembly of God people and, and to get to the little room, it was like a, a wreck hall. You had to walk down this long hall. I'll never forget this. I'm probably 20 years old, and I'm walking down this hall, and these people have their hands lifted there. And I thought, what in the world? Now, listen, I was a Christian, and I was on fire for God. But I, I just didn't know about expressive worship. And I got around, the, and, and they scared me a little bit. I thought it was a little bit weird, and some of it was. I'm just telling you, some of it was a little weird, I'm telling you. We've tried in our church not to have the weird, but, but, you know, listen, it's there. It's probably sitting next to you today. But, 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 but on the other hand, I don't want to stifle hunger. I don't want to stifle someone genuinely reaching out to God. Now, listen, you can have your hands in the air lusting after somebody else's wife. I'm telling you, just because you raise your hand does not mean you're a worshiper. But worship is typically a container for honor, for blessing, for surrender. For surrender. I went in that little door and I'm telling you what, I had some things that I didn't understand but I kept going back because I felt the same thing that my friend told me last week. I sense God in a way that I didn't know Him before. I was born again and I wanted that. Can I tell you, worship is a door into His presence. It is personal relationship. You say, well, I don't know about that. what did John the Revelator do? Remember when he wrote the book of Revelation, I think I've mentioned this already, but three times in that book, it says he fell on his face. See, twice to an angel, an angel said, bah, 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 get up, worship belongs to God. But this guy was so caught up in the God events that was going on in his life, he fell on his face before God. Here's one in the opposite direction. David is bringing the ark of God's presence back into the city, and he is dancing wildly before the Lord. I mean, he takes off his suit coat and he just begins to dance and his wife looks with disdain out the window. Come on. And she was barren from that day forth. Don't ever criticize somebody, you know, because they're, they're giving God some extra praise. And that's kind of, we, we, you know, we try to be sensitive to people that are, to me be honest, that are just kind of new and, and uninformed and don't understand. We don't want someone's liberty to scare away somebody that's genuinely searching for God. I mean, that's a good thing. First Corinthians 14, that was a whole problem with speaking in tongues is they were doing it so much and so loud that people thought they were crazy and they weren't lifted up and edifying the whole group. And we can be so selfish sometimes, don't shout me down now, that if we don't get our way in church, we take our tambourine and go home. Or if you don't have a tambourine, you take yourself and go home. But, but, but somehow, this has to be a place Where all of us can come together, new and old, new Christians, old Christians, people that are hungry for God and people that were forced to be here can come and have a place where people are drawing after God. Now, listen, how about Moses? Moses, when he encountered a bush that was on fire and didn't burn up, what was that? The presence of God. And he was so caught up in it, he took off his shoes. He said, this is a holy place. We'll look at a lot of this in the days ahead. There's the, when they dedicated the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the Bible says the priests couldn't stand to minister because a cloud filled the room. Now, I'm not talking about a smoke machine. I'm talking about God, the, manif- the omnipresent God, tore open the wrapping paper, and the manifest presence of God came where people were. And all they could do was just stop and in awe Worship a holy God. Now, and, okay, And it's not just, though, when you're praising God. Saul of Tarsus, a religious deluded man, going to persecute Christians, and the presence of God, bam knocks him on the ground, and he didn't say, get me a doctor. What did he say? Who are you, Lord? So God invaded his life. I want to tell you, God can invade your life. Come on. And it just doesn't happen to be, you know, I remember 30 years ago when I came to church and, you know, they prayed. I mean, when you come in this place, you should expect the one who's in the present, come on, that wants to be with you. Come on, walk with you and talk with you and tell you you're his own to meet with him every time you come to worship. You should have an expectation every time you come in these years. Because I'm telling you, faith is crucial that you're going to meet with God. That if you're troubled and worried about the future, where there's a lot of things to be worried about in America, I want to tell you, buddy, there's a lot. If you don't know what they are, I'll tell you. I can make you afraid. I read a lot. See, faith is not ignoring the problems. Faith is seeing God in the middle of them. And you should have an expectation that you take all your stress and anxiety, listen, that value might help but doesn't cure, that when you come into the presence of God, your expectation should be that I can truly cast my cares on the Lord because He cares for me. It's when theology works itself out in everyday life. That's what worship should be about. That when you're troubled, when you're hurting, when you're sad, when you're lonely, when you're in need, listen, that God can come and your Heavenly Father wrap His arms around you. Listen, personal relationship implies experience with God. And that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about experience that has no boundaries or end, but we're talking about a relationship with God that is real and vital. Come on, give Him a big hand today. That's what God wants in our life. He wants to be real to you. Psalm 100, let me kind of wrap up here. Uh, Worship is more than singing. I've said it before, I want to say it again. Worship is more than singing. In its most basic sense, it is the expression of our reverence and adoration to God. One definition says worship is an encounter with the living God. And let me say this to you. Most people worship God when things are going well. Most people thank God and are praising God when everything is all right. I'm going to talk about this one day because the Bible says after Job's life, Job fell apart. You know, kids die, sick, disease, everything fell apart. What does the Bible say he did? He worshiped. And listen, the foundation, the basis of worship is not for what God does. It's for who He is. And many people condition their praise to how they're feeling. I just don't feel like worshiping today. Well, Psalm 100, verse 2 says, Come into his, presen- oh, into him in his presence with singing, and in his presence there is fullness of joy. Uh, let's, uh, let, 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 let's keep going. Psalm 100, verse 2. Worship is more than singing. It says, Come into his presence with singing. Put that scripture on the screen. Psalm 100, verse 2. Come into his presence with singing. Now, it doesn't say come to church and sing. It says, come into His presence. It doesn't even say, sing to God in that verse. But singing is a door into His presence. Listen, singing, the band, blah, blah, beat, speakers, lights, is not entertainment. It is not a concert. It is not intended to just make you feel better. It's intended to help us encounter God. And all this is just cultural trappings. Do you know Paul, when he was cast in prison... Think about this. He got this girl delivered from a demon. How many know? And that was the presence of God. Whenever you see a miracle, a power, a genuine spiritual gift, that's the presence of God at work on the earth. God revealing himself. Paul and Silas, they cast this demon out of this girl. And rather than having the picture in the paper, they throw them in prison, the inner stocks, midnight. Now, they've got, they're chained against the wall. Guarantee it, roaches and critters are crawling on them. And they're not praising. They can't even maybe reach the bug that's crawling up their leg. But what does the Bible say they were doing? At midnight. Come on midnight they're praying and they're singing and they're worshiping God and guess what happened the presence of God broke through that wrapping paper and an earthquake happened and the chains fell off now I can't tell you the chains will fall off every time but I can tell you this friend if you worship and praise it's more likely that God is going to manifest himself than if you're complaining and griping. Because your praise and your worship is an expression of faith. You remember in the book of Chronicles, uh, they're about to be annihilated. There's an army against the nation of Israel that is stronger than they are, and they don't know what they're going to do. They're going to fight these cats, but God told them that he's going to take care of them, so they put the choir in front of the soldiers. And the choir goes out to praise the beauty of His holiness. And the Bible says, you read it in the book of Chronicles. The Bible says, when they begin to praise, the enemies looked at each other and said, you are ugly. And the other guy said, well, it didn't say this, but it says, your mama is ugly. He took his sword off. And they killed each other. I'm telling you, look in the Bible. The enemies, when the army, they got over the hill, the armies of the enemy had destroyed themselves because God responded to the praise and the worship of His people. Come on, it's a good thing to praise God. That, that hidden omnipresence manifests itself often in response to, to praise. Well, listen, listen, amazing things happen. When people praise, when people worship God, when humble people just come to church simply to recognize the goodness of God, I'm telling you, they capture His presence. When a thankful person, Pat Stewart, she's not here today, but uh, uh, Pat works at the church, my good friend, uh, she had this oak tree in her backyard, 400 years old. Now, you can tease her when you see her. I asked yesterday if her sister planted the tree. But, but you can do that, okay, to a friend. All right. But anyway, uh, it fell, this tree, this limb. Now, I'm telling you, this limb, I got a picture on my desk. It's that big or bigger, a limb. And it's hollow on the inside. It was green on the outside. It fell, and it banged her bedroom. I guarantee at some point she realized that tree could have fallen on me, and I could have been crushed, and I could have died. And when she came to church that day, she came last night, to praise and worship God come on I watched her she was here with me that whole six hours in that prayer time and worship time she was just caught up in God I'm telling you people come to church and they're grateful they're humble they're happy they come to honor God grateful people say thank you but guess what sick people can be healed in the presence of God lost people can be saved people tormented can come and find peace listen if God could do it for the gathering maniac remember in the Bible this guy he was he was you know a streaker he just didn't wear clothes I mean he was a violent man he was demon-possessed no one could come around him but he had an encounter with Jesus the presence of the Holy God and he was delivered and in his right mind come on sitting there had his clothes on worshiping God I'm telling you in the presence of God now listen I'm for self-help groups I'm for anything we can do to help people but I'm telling you an encounter with the presence of God can free a heroin addict an encounter with The presence of God can set a meth addict free I know people that have been set free instantaneously I know some people that battle with it all their days And I can't explain it But I'm telling you, the presence of God has power Confused people can find direction See, tormented, troubled people can find peace And listen to this, sad people can find joy Psalm Psalm 16, verse 11 In your presence there is Yeah, so this is a series, we're going to call it Encounter, for the next few weeks. You invite a friend, which, by the way, we've got plenty of room on Saturday night at 6 and our first service at 9 if you want to be a part of that. Revelation chapter 5, let's let's wrap this up this morning. and, And let's kind of get most basic, why do we worship God? Now, why? Would I come to the, why do I come to this building on Sunday morning? I could have stayed home because you want to turn your thermostat down. I, know, I mean, up while ours is down. I understand, okay? Some of you are here for the air conditioner, but, but, but I'm, that's my last joke, and it was just not a good one. But why do you worship? I'm telling you, I remember the day when I used to come to church. It's better if you'll play now. Did you know that King Saul in the Old Testament, when he was tormented and troubled, he would call for David, an anointed musician. And when David would play worship around Saul, those spirits would leave. I'm, it's not just a song service. God gets caught up in what we're doing. Look at Revelation 5. Let me close John had a heavenly vision. And verse 11 says, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. Numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Quick math majors, how many angels? 10,000 times 10,000. All you that said a lot, you made C's, I guess, in math. A hundred million. I had to use the calculator too, don't worry. A hundred million plus thousands of thousands. So you've got this picture of this unfathomable group of angels. They're around the throne of God. Listen. They're encircling the throne and the living creatures. Now, many believe that these living creatures were cherubim. They were angelic beings created to worship. And the elders, these 4 and 20 elders, many believe that that is a picture of the universal church. Every Christian, every believer. So you've got angels, you've got believers, and in a loud voice, what are they saying? What's the first thing they say here? Now, worthy is that kind of word, that what does that mean? And, and as I looked in the dictionary, it's one of those words that define themselves with the word that you still can't figure it out after you looked up the dictionary. Have you looked up the definition? Here, here, let me tell you what it means. When they say worthy is the Lamb, here's what they're saying. You're the most important being, the most important person, the most important God that there is. There's none like you. There's no one more important than you. My spouse is not more important. My boss is not more important. My governor is not more important. My president is not more important. The richest man in the world is not more important than you are. Come on. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Worthy is the lamb. The lamb is Jesus who was slain, his death on the cross. And listen to all these words. Worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Half of that, again, is abstract to me. But it just says he's worth everything. He's just worth everything. And then I heard, listen to this, every creature in heaven, whoever's left in heaven, and on earth. So everyone, heaven, earth, under the earth, and on the sea. And all is it in that they're singing. Whales appear to be singing praise to God. Whale song, you've heard it, you know, you know how they sing, whale. The mockingbird in her song, the wind that blows through the trees, the Bible says as if they're clapping their hands, all of creation, all the angels, come on, all people, and the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're singing, and they're singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And these cherubim, these four living creatures said, Amen. And all the elders, all the people, fall down and worshiped. And I want to tell you, friends, that's a snapshot of heaven. And it's directed at the one who is the most important one. Not because of what he's done. Because of who he is. Come on, can we just stand our feet this morning? And we're just going to, together, we're going to worship him with a song this morning. and, And I want to encourage you, don't just sing right now. Let's worship him. You might even close your eyes and let your praise go to
1: God. You might even lift your
0: hand as an act of honor, of submission. Worthy, worthy.
1: Sing a new song to this
0: care for me, Lord. I thank you that you don't cast me away when I miss up. I thank you that you care about me. I thank you that my life is in your hands. I want to follow you. Come on, just tell him now. Make an affirmation. Say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Just tell him, I want to live for you. You. Praise the Lord. Hey, that's awesome. We're going to continue this. Hopefully, every time we come together, we're going to encounter His presence in worship. Praise the Lord. It's more than the band. It's more than the lights. It's more than video. Come on. It's hungry people with faith reaching out to God. God satisfies the hungry soul we will probably just worship a little bit more and we'll just kind of close it that way. If you want to stay a little longer after our, after our dismissal and you can just kind of hang out and worship a little more. But here's how we're going to close this morning. I'd love to have people pray for you. I mean, when we break and go, you know, I'm going to be back in that connect room. My wife and I would love to meet you that are new, that, you know, that, that want to maybe get connected to church. Whenever you leave, and I'll meet you back there. But right now, before we go, if, if you're here and, and you need God to help you in some way. There's some real things in life, some real personal issues that have not been addressed today. Listen, there's going to be a prayer team here to help you. You may be here today, and it could be sickness, financial pressure, marriage, pressure, no matter what it is, God is here, and God will help you. you, I want to offer you, too, if your relationship with God's not right, you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell. You know, you're not walking with God. You need to be saved. You need to commit your life to Christ. You need forgiveness. Somebody will meet you at the cross this morning, and they'll they'll teach you how to have a personal relationship with Christ. It doesn't matter what it is, friends. You'll be eating lunch in a little bit, but if there's still a God moment that's needed in your life, let it happen. Our prayer team is coming right now, and, and they're going to come, and, and as they're coming, we're just going to worship a little bit, and I'll be the last one that speaks, and uh, you'd be free to go whenever you like, but let's at least sing one chorus through, and as people come for prayer. If you need prayer, you come, and let us pray for you today. God bless you.